Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is, of course, the show where you come for the accent and you stay for the principles. And today's show is going to be is, oh, is totally different. I don't know about you and how your week has gone, but uh, oh, this week for me has just been everything that could possibly go wrong has gone wrong. You know those weeks just where you're just, it's just, thank God, it's Saturday. And uh, for me, it's Friday because I'm recording this show in advance. But, uh, oh, I was supposed to have Cheryl Atkinson on this week and we got talking and she was supposed to, we did the interview and uh, I could see her, she could see me, she could hear me, I couldn't hear anything. So that's not a very good way to conduct an interview. And um, literally halfway to, you know, um, as we're talking, she's leaving behind on upper, putting up her phone to the screen, kind of going, this is what I'm saying. And just an absolute nightmare. Actually, part of me is expecting <laughs> that I'm going to record this show. And for whatever reason, there's going to be more technical problems and you're not going to hear very much or you're going to hear nothing, which might be a better thing. But this no worries, because, you know, the great thing about the world today is I had the whole show planned out, what I was going to talk about. And I had a great interview lined up. I had a lot of things I wanted to talk to with Cheryl. Um, but the world is not dull, boring. It's not dull. There's plenty to talk about. So it's actually a good thing we got to have a chat um, and go through stuff. And next week, we'll be back having guests and hopefully all these IT problems will be sorted. But I want to talk to you about a culture today. Because if you're looking around the world and you're, especially in America, and, and what we're going to talk about somewhat is, this shows you how bad my week is. I'm going to actually talk about Prince Harry and Meghan. Don't switch off. It's not talking about the interview. It's talking about a key principle that's in there that we can learn. But before we get that, I want to lay the groundwork. One of the things we have to understand is that a lot of the wars and the battles we're facing right now are in the culture. And the culture is all about people and all about how you feel and how you, how you think and how you react and how you respond. And in human nature, it's very natural to have tribes. You know, we all have tribes from the minute we're born. You know, we have the tribe of our parents when we're born. You know, we might have our siblings included in that. Then the tribe gets bigger as we become more aware. We start to communicate. We start to verbalize. We start to understand of people who are around. You know, it might be our family friends who come and visit us, who, you know, as a baby, you get presents. Or it might be your cousins, your aunts, your uncles. You know, as your tribe starts getting bigger and bigger, as you become more aware and you start seeing people. And then something happens around four or five years of age, you start going to school. And then your tribe becomes a whole new tribe. It's who you hang around with in society, it ha who you hang around with in your school, who you'll see after school, who you know you might play soccer with or you might play with Barbies. I don't know what kids do today. Or you might play Xbox. They're your kind of tribe. And this always happens throughout life. You know, it gets just the tribes change. It can happen on, you know, whether you're based if your religion, your tribe might become Mormons. You might be Catholics. You might be Baptists. You might be Protestants. They're your tribe. It's all based around your common views, your common values. 
But then it also is, it sort of expands as you get older because you might be, you know, a simple example is your tribe might be, you know, going to Comic-Con because you're a big Harry Potter fan or you're a big Star Wars fan or you're a big Star Trek fan. They become your tribe. But it also happens in human nature. In that it is not necessarily a tribal thing. It's just something that will happen through our human experience. Let me give you an example. Imagine you're walking down the street, whatever city you're living in, New York, Dallas, Chicago, whatever, you know, mid the heartland, California, wherever you are. Just imagine you're walking down your local city or town, right? And a total random stranger just walking on the same side of the street in the opposite direction comes to you and walks up to you and goes, man, how you doing? I just had the most awesome steak in that restaurant. You should have it. What's your reaction? What's your reaction? You're going to go, okay, whoa, <laughs> crazy person. You're not going to take their advice, right? You're going to kind of go, yeah, okay, cool. See you later, Paul, and just keep walking, right? Now, that's totally natural. However, if you transport that exact same scene from your local town or somewhere that you're very familiar with and put yourself in France or England or Ireland or Australia, where everyone's talking with different accents. Let's just use Ireland. Everyone's talking like me or a version of my accent, right? And all of a sudden you're like, I'm in this foreign place. Oh my God, what's going on? I don't know. And you're walking down the street and for whatever reason, it just clicks. You're both Americans. And the American walks to you and goes, oh my God, how you doing? You know, I just, I just had this amazing steak in that restaurant there. It's awesome. You should try it. Is your reaction the exact same? No. You, you might actually listen because you're going to go, hey, I'm American. He's an American. Well, you know, we're in Ireland. We're in this foreign country. He liked it. I might like it. Why is that? Because we're all looking for common views, for common cultures. And we have some bond there. We're not, a, it's not an Irish person and an American. It's two Americans. And you may see the world totally different. You know, one might be a Trump supporter. <gasps> oh, my God. And one might be a Biden supporter. But you don't think about that. One might be rich, one might be poor. One might be from a city, one might be from the south. Guess what? You have the common bond, that of you're both American. And hey, I'm going to try it out. Now, some of you might listen to this kind of go, I'd never try whatever that steak is and wherever it is or whatever meal it is. Maybe, but you might be at least more open to it than if it happened in your own city. Now, what we have seen is this is normal. This is tribes. This is kind of, you know, we have common values and things. What unites us is those values, whether it's we're both American, we're both, you know, from the same city, we're both Christians, we're both, you know, big fans of Star Trek, whatever it is, we have a common bond. However, when you have the culture that we have right now, is that everything can be taken and put on steroids and turned from something just totally innocent and totally normal and made really bad. And that's what you're seeing right now. What you're seeing is this tribalism is on steroids, where it's not what unites us. It's what actually we're opposed to. There's nothing uniting us. It's, hey, they're bad. You're starting to see this world where we have to crush everyone that dis disagrees with us. There is no room for freedom of choice. There is no room for, hey, I have a different opinion. Oh, no, if you have a different opinion, you're the enemy. You're the problem with America. You're the problem with the world. And you're starting to see certain fractions with the far left where they're literally crushing people, where it's so institutional with colleges and the media. If you dare have a difference of opinion, you need to be silenced. Look at what's going on in the world. Look at what's going on where we literally are in a culture in 2021 where we are so tribal, 
where we're convinced they're the enemy. It doesn't matter what the, you know, the common denominator is. We might agree on some things, but on certain issues, you're the enemy and you need to be crushed. We also have this amazing thing in 2021 where we, I'm trying to word this properly, where we have gone from where bad supremacists have been in the past, where it's I'm better than you, I'm the Aryan race, I'm white, I'm better than you. That's what, um, that's not my words, but just to be real clear, that's what people used to say. To, I'm not going to be a victim. In 2021, being a victim is what pays. It's not that I'm better than you, it's that, you know, I'm a victim, I'm oppressed. Feel sorry for me. And facts don't matter. No matter how much factual, factual evidence you give, if you're in the wrong tribe, it doesn't matter. Perfect example of this is this modern day racism, where if someone says, you're a racist, you, you're racist, bad. And you're going, no, I'm not. I'm not a racist. I, I, I don't judge people by the color of their skin. I judge them by the content of the character. I have black friends. And the more you plead and the more evidence you would give, ah, that just, see, that just proves how racist you are. I just thought you were a bit racist. Now listen to your objections. I, I'm convinced you're really racist. This is what passes for theory in the world today. This is actually what passes as fact. The more you argue, the more you go, hey, no, I'm not the more you are. This brings me to Meghan Markle. First off, there is this amazing thing, just on a side note, in 2021, where, and this happens all around the world and it happens in politics, where we are so fooled and so mesmerized by names that we convince ourselves that people who are really rich know anything about us or have anything in common with us. And this is on all sides of the aisle. The amount of people who I spoke to, and I'll, you know, I'll use someone on, on my friends on the right first. The amount of people I spoke to on the right who said, Trump knows what it's like to be me. I'm sorry, you may not despise what you live like, but he hasn't got a clue what you live like. Donald Trump has never struggled to put, you know, put food on the table. Donald Trump has never struggled to go, and at the end of the month, kind of go, do I have enough money in the checking account to pay my bills? Donald Trump has never had to slum it in you know, traffic. You know, he, he's on private jets. He's got gold. His name is in gold letters all around his buildings. He has nothing in common with your lifestyle. Now, he may not oppose you and despise you and kind of go, you poor little peasants like other people, but he has nothing in common with you. But back to Meghan Markle. I'm supposed to feel sorry for her. I'm watching an interview where there's millionaires in, been interviewed by a billionaire and talking about the royal family oppressing them. They're just live my life or your life, the average Joe person life. And we're supposed to feel sorry for them. Oh, my God, you poor person. And how oppressed they are. Oh, and by the way, that's not the only thing. There were millionaires interviewed by a billionaire talking about the royal family on a piece of land worth about, what was it, $14.5 million? Mm, yeah, I, I, I feel the oppression. I see it. I'm like, you poor person, you don't, you, you're just so oppressed. But let's get back to what I wanted to talk about. That's just a side point. The big thing that was really bad at that interview and should be condemned by everyone. You know, the people who are like, everyone's racist and are really actually against racism. They should be so annoyed with this interview. Because most people, most people, and when I say most, I would say about 99% of people think racism is bad. I have never met someone and actually associated with someone like, you know what? 
John, maybe, you know, maybe there are more superior races. No, no, no. Just never, just no. Just not, just not realistic. Just not happening. Are, are they there? Sure. There are plenty of people out there who will, who will think they're more superior. And it doesn't just happen on race. It happens on a plethora of ideas and of identities. Hey, I'm better. I'm bigger. I'm smaller. I'm better looking. I'm more money. I'm better than you. I'm, I have the right race. I have the right family. I come from the city. Loads of people will look down on people. But racism, it's not a thing anymore. A lot of things, people are colorblind. And that is a good thing. If you read any part of history and look at today and compare it, there is no, it's apples and oranges. But is there racism? Are there people who are racist in the world? Absolutely. How should we deal with them? If you believe racism is really bad, you should be appalled by Meghan Markle's interview. Because here's what she did. Basically said, oh, you know, there were, and there were conversations, you know, where, where people, um, you know, said, uh, you know, raised concerns about, you know, what color Archie would be, what color of his skin would be. By the way, you know, the MVP of this interview was Oprah's faces. Like, what? Oh, oh, oh. You know, her face was like, literally, like, her face was a story in itself. But instead of going, yeah, there were people who said that. Okay. Now, a journalist would go, hmm, who is that? Oh, well, I, I'm not going to say. That would be very bad for them. Yes, good. If this happened, good. It should be very bad for them. But instead of doing this accusation of just casting doubt over everyone, hey, everyone's racist, like we do in 2021. Oh, you're white, you're automatically racist. You're guilt by association. Oh, you, you're just bad. Now we're just going with this narrative. Oh, the royal family are all bad. She said, no, there was concern raised by a couple of people or one person. No, let's just cast out over everyone. Here's the problem with this. If, you're, if you believe in racism and racism being really bad and you want to defeat it, you should go, no, Megan, you shouldn't have done that. Either you should have said nothing or you should, you know what? No, I'm going to say it. There are people who are racist in the royal family and it's this person. What makes this even more despicable is their grandfather of Harry is in a hospital and in a coma as they were recording this. He's 99. Now, you can say many things about the royal family. I am not a fan. I, I, I've been kind of sick and disgusted at the rights reaction to the royal family. The amount of nice things that the right said about the royal family this week has honestly, going to be honest with you, has made my stomach just like going, what are you doing? Like, literally, do you understand you follow royal family to get it, your independence? You know, these are not exactly people who we should be holding up as, hey, the role models of society, let's be the royal family. No. No. That type of crap needs to stop. But this is the idea. We all have to be victims. We're just going to cast out by everyone. Which leads me to the next point I want to talk about, about the royal interview. And it isn't anything to do with the royal interview. It's the coverage after it. Some of my friends in America always go, John, you know, I hear you talking about America and I get it, but is it so much different over in Europe? Is it so much different in England? You know, come on, they have free speech like we do. They don't have a First Amendment, but they still have free speech. Mm -hmm. The reason America is different is because you have a constitutional First Amendment, the right to free press and the right to free speech. Even though it's been attacked quite a lot, with the political correct speech and the war, you know, enemy of the people stuff. Here is why you have to be very careful with your rhetoric 
And people always said, why don't you join in with Trump and say they're the enemy to people? Because there's consequences of that. I will judge people on the individual character. I call out the New York Times. I, I was calling out the New York Times before Donald Trump was even president. I've been calling out people like Walter Cronkite, who, you know, literally single-handedly lost the Vietnam War. Right? I'm not a fan of the media, but there's a reason you don't attack them. You attack what they say, you dismantle it, you say, here's why it's false, here's where your bias is, here's where it's wrong, here's where it's factually leading. But this rhetoric is wrong. Here's why. In the UK, Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan is on the morning chat show in, in, on a, a channel called ITV. It's Good Morning Britain, I think it's called. And Megan, and Piers Morgan and Meghan Markle don't get up. Apparently, there's a lot of long history they did, and then she shafted him or ghosted him, or he did some. I don't know. I don't care. Just there's a lot of history there, apparently. But he's not been a fan, and he's been highly critical of some of the stuff she said. Because Piers Morgan, there's many things you can say about Piers Morgan. He isn't exactly in the woke brigade. And he's been highly critical of him. Well, he went on after this interview on Monday morning on his chat show and basically said, I wouldn't believe a word she said. I wouldn't even believe the weather report that she said. And of course, this raised the thing because Meghan Markle in the same interview talked about being suicidal and wanting to lose, you know, give up life, which I'm not going to comment on because I, I find it very people, you know, fact checking those things are very you want to be very careful because it's not exactly it's an emotion. And as someone who's been down that road and still struggles with that, you, you can't fact check that. It's how you feel. But what happens? Piers Morgan, because of his coverage, because of what he said, because he, he, he's very, you know, kind of pro-royal family, said it was, it was, you know, so much damage to the monarchy. 41,000 complaints went into the little regulator called Ofcom. And what does Ofcom do? Well, Ofcom is the, the, the guardian of the media. You know, because we just can't have this where you can say anything. You can't just have this where we're going to pay you for your opinion and you can say anything you want. No, no, no. We can't have freedom of the press. No, no. There are certain things you cannot say. And it's not the company that decides that. It's not like, hey, I'm going to get on Glenn Beck's network and talk about how socialism is great. And then he fires me. No, 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 no. There's, there's, there's standards. And we're going to be the guardians of the media. And 41,000 complaints later. Oh, and by the way, one of those complaints was from Meghan Markle herself. Guess what happens? Piers loses his job. I say this as someone who says, be very careful of your rhetoric on the First Amendment to the left and be very careful of the rhetoric on the, on the press to the right. Because what happens is, what always happens? If enough people have a problem with certain things and then they unite, government gets involved and all of a sudden this organization, which by the way, Ofcom is like the FCC. Now, can you imagine the FCC getting power over? Well, we're going to be the guardians of what can be said on radio. We're going to be the guardians of what can be said on TV, on media. And that if enough people complain, guess what? You lose your job. There's complaints. There's a process. Is this a good system or a bad system? This is why the First Amendment, yes, the freedom of the press, yes, freedom of speech, yes, freedom of association is absolutely critical and should never, ever be attacked. You may despise the New York Times as much as I do. Good. I do as well. I join you. But be very careful what you wish for, because government is just waiting to get involved and kind of go, hey, guess what? There's enough people angry. We need to get in there. We need standards, you know, because we just can't have anyone saying anything. Is that what you want? Now, here's where the tribes are very interesting, because the key thing that we need to understand about if we want to survive this culture war 
is there going to be times where you're going to have strange bedfellows? How many times have you defended someone who is not part of any tribe you belong to? Because I'm just going to give you an example. Piers Morgan. I don't like Piers Morgan. I, I don't judge people by what I hear in the industry. But I, I can't imagine me and Piers sitting down kind of going, having a great conversation. I don't think we're going to agree on a lot of things. We're not going to agree on the Constitution. We're not going to agree on the Second Amendment. I don't think we'd agree on federalism. I don't think we'd agree on taxation. I don't think we'd agree on health care. There's a lot of things me and him won't agree on. We're not in the same tribe. We're, I don't think we're even in the same Christianity tribe. So unless we're all just going to cast people, I, I don't care about my white race or my white skin. We're both white. There's the tribe we belong to. But guess what? What we will join on is free speech. I don't care what Piers Morgan says. I will be the person going there. You know what? Piers has a right to say it. And Piers has a right to say it. Even if he is fundamentally flawed in his thinking, even if he is fundamentally wrong, I will defend his right to say it. And as everyone should, and I would defend the exact same people on the left, which I have done to people messaging me, kind of going, every time I defend Bill Maher, when he says something stupid, people kind of go, you do know he's a big Democrat, right? Mm -hmm, I don't care. I'll defend his right to say things. Because again, Bill Maher, again, you sit me and Bill Maher down on the tribe stuff. Guess what? We're not going to agree on the Constitution. We're not going to agree on the views of America. We're not going to agree on taxation. We're not even going to agree on environmental policy. There's very little me and someone like Bill Maher. It's like Piers Morgan are going to agree on. But guess what? We can focus on what divides us. Great. I'll have those debates with anyone at any time. But we can also focus on what unites us. Free speech. Bill Maher has also been very great on speaking out against Islam. Not Muslims, Islam. There's a key difference. So understand that when you have these tribe blinkers on, it doesn't do anybody any good. Where you literally think you are better than, your tribe is better than everyone else. This is something that we need to stop and it happens on all sides. Because trust me when I say this, when you get into a tribal system, which I'm about to prove, the people who lose are not the tribes. It's the American people. It's the average person on the street. Because when you have one side versus the other side, it never becomes about what is right. It's just, well, we're less bad. Well, they're worse. They're pure evil. Does that sound familiar from any of the last few elections that you've had? Something to think about. So I'm going to prove to you why tribes over politics and over principles is bad. And I'm going to actually give you two examples. One I know a lot more about than the other. So maybe you can fill me in on the second example. But if you look around at when government fails, when socialism fails, what are the excuses that are given? What are the reasons? They all come out in different words, but they all boil down to the same few key excuses. It wasn't run right. It was run by bad people. There wasn't enough money spent. Or my personal favorite when they come up with these plans, these grandiose plans. You see, the problem is, the reason it failed is we weren't bold enough. We weren't ambitious enough. We didn't go all the way. That's why it failed. These are all the same reasons. When you understand what happens in human history, where government and socialism fails, 
There's an old saying Ronald Reagan used to have. The more the plans fail, the more the plan is planned. Because you see, it can never be, hmm, that program failed or that didn't work out. Why? Why? Hmm, maybe it wasn't meant to work out. Maybe the principles are fundamentally flawed. No, no, that never, ever comes up. Maybe it was just not run right or the right people were not involved or it wasn't enough money spent or we weren't ambitious enough. When you make things about politics and about tribes, hey, the left suck, the right are better, are they? Let me talk to you about two cities that are going through a bit of a political climate. New York, California. Right now in New York, I, and I don't know how this is happening because the guy is just so swell. Like the guy, the guy is just like me and you. Honest to God, like I could imagine myself having a beer with this guy. I, I don't understand how how he, he he's in so much trouble. Of course, I'm being very sarcastic right now in case that doesn't come across. Is Governor Cuomo is in a lot of trouble. Now, here's the thing you need to understand. What did I just say? Why socialism fails? Why problems fail? Bad people, wasn't run right, not enough money, wasn't ambitious enough. If you understand New York politics, and I love New York and I've been around, your politics sucks for a long time. You know, I am a Yankee fan, so I, I get why the, all the issues in New York, yes, insert, insert your smart-ass remarks there. That's where it comes. Oh, Yankees suck. Got it. But look at what's happening with Cuomo right now. Here's what's funny. If you understand New York politics and you actually are not about tribes and protecting people and not about, hey, he's our side. Hey, he's a lefty. We're a lefty. We got to defend him. You understand this guy's a really bad governor. He doesn't deserve any awards. He doesn't deserve book deals. But here's the thing. What he deserves is to be kicked out of office, but not for what the reasons everyone's saying. The reason you kick Cuomo out of office is because of his executive orders, because of what he did during COVID, where he literally went, ah, oh, the hospitals are overrun. Yeah, you know that nursing home that's full of old, you know, old, vulnerable people? Yeah, just throw a few COVID patients in there. Oh, and there's this place, you know, that you know, has special needs people and people who need extra attention, you know, need a bit of extra help. Yeah, let's just throw COVID patients in there. Because who, on their, on, on, in the heart of a pandemic, who doesn't think that? You know, just, just throw the, you know, those COVID patients in there. That'd be fine. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, and by the way, on top of that, oh, yeah, we're just going to fudge the figures. We're going to go, yeah, we're going to change the figures. And then we're going to blame Trump for it. Oh, well, the reason we changed the figures is because we were afraid of Donald Trump, you know, and we didn't want to be, you know, uh, you know, on his hit list. Mm -hmm. That right there is government malpractice. That right there is lying to the people. That right there has not been a servant of the people. And by most accounts, should be fired. But that's not what's bringing him down. There's very little outrage in certain places in this about New York, in New York about this. What's outrageous, and, and this should be outrageous, is his behavior about women, where he's, you know, oh, <clears throat> how would you uh, feel about uh, sleeping with an older man in the middle of a job interview? Because that's what everyone does. You know, and you're, when you're, what, is he 62, 63? You know, oh, you know, you, you know, how would you feel about sleeping with an older man? You know, because... <clears throat> You know, just call me Bill Clinton. You know, I, I don't have an old office, but, you know, the governor's mansion's just there, baby. You know, <laughs> you know, I'm good. And then you have people like Geraldo. Oh, well, look, you know, he's just a single guy in New York, and Albany's the most boring city in the world. So who hasn't done this? 
this is horrific. This is vile. This is disgusting. But let's put this into context. Saying horrifically stupid, dumb, offensive things that you kind of want to go, dude, I'm your dirt bike. I want to punch the head off you. Comparing it to killing people, putting COVID patients in nursing homes and then lying about it and then fudging figures. Let's put this into context. Neither should happen. But that's what's going on in New York right now. I'll come back to New York in a second. Gavin, yeah, Gavin News, there's a big recall effort in it. There's a website all set up for it. You can go find where that is. People are really unhappy about him because he's a hypocrite, because he's just not a good governor. And people are unhappy. And California has something New York doesn't have. It has a recall system. This is, if you remember, this is how Arnold Schwarzenegger became governor. I don't know the situation. I don't know enough about California to comment. I don't know whether he will succeed, whether the recall will be successful. By what I'm hearing, it will be, but I don't know the ins and outs of it. But here's why tribal politics makes the American people lose. You see, what's going to happen is, if you make this about tribes, just get rid of Cuomo. Just get rid of him. And the left will pound on and go, yeah, absolutely, get rid of him. Me too. Then let's just get rid of Newsom. Yeah, absolutely, let's just get rid of him. What you need to make a distinction about, when you make this about tribes, it's just about, hey, they're bad. They're, they're bad. Let's get rid of them. They, they, they made stupid mistakes. They, did, they said stupid things. They did acted in a bad way. Just get rid of them. But the plan stays the same. What we need to understand is we need to start making things about principles. Because what we need to understand is, in New York, if you got rid of Cuomo tomorrow, with New York and Albany and the, the politics in Albany right now, it's very possible... And about a year, you will actually call out going, you know what, we want Cuomo back. Yeah, he was a dirt bike. Yeah, he killed people. But he ain't that person. We need to make the case of, it's not about, you know, Cuomo being the problem. It's not about Newsom being the problem. It's about their policies. It's about, hey, this is why you don't do things. This is why you don't act like this. If you want to make major inroads, that is how we change it. It's not about, hey, they're bad people, let's replace them, like they do under socialism. It's a case of, hmm, how do we make the case that it isn't bad people? Now, Cuomo it is with his actions towards women. It's despicable, it's vile, it's disgusting. It makes me want to pump the head off him, been quite honest. But also, it's the policies. New York and California are in trouble. Why? It's not because of Cuomo and Newsom. It's because of their policies. And if you put someone, if you think that just replacing them is going to fix your state. It isn't. It's time to understand this tribe stuff. I get it. It's human nature. But we need to stop acting like, hey, we're better than you. Hey, we have better policies than you. Hey, you're evil. We're not. What we need to start making it about is common interests. Hey, I'm for whatever it is. I'm for the Constitution. I am for the Bill of Rights. I am for leaving people alone. I am for federalism. I am for not tax taxing people to death. I am just for government that says, just let leave people alone, whatever it is. But we need to stop with this tribalism where, hey, we're good and you're bad. And it's just because you're bad. This is what needs to happen. If you want to replace Newsom and Cuomo, great. But it's not because they're bad people. It's because the policies are bad. You must make the case to your fellow citizens. And by the way, here's the key thing about America. All these things where we all make the arguments at a national level you know it's time to start making the case people are asking me at the minute john if you were in america what would you do here's something i would do 
I would be talking to my friends and my neighbours. And I wouldn't be talking about, hey, you know, this is why the left suck, this is why the right suck. I would be making the case for, hey, these are the principles America was founded on. I'd be trying to sell them on those principles. And I'd be, whatever state I was in, New York, California, Texas, whatever it is, getting involved at the local level. Because if you really want to change, you can have massive power in your states. That is where the power structure lies under federalism. That is where it is. Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution gives Congress certain powers. The president has no power. Everything else is left up to the states. You want to change your country? Get involved in your state politics. Because here's the truth from people I know, and this is on left and right and conservative and liberal. If I go to an average person in America, can I go, hey, who did you vote for in the last presidential election? Oh, I voted for Trump. Of course, Trump. Okay, great. Who did you vote for in the House and the Senate? Oh, I voted for whatever, you know, depending on the state. Voted for Ted Cruz or, you know, Mike Lee or whatever what state it is. Great. Who is the local state assembly man? Uh, do you know who the local state assembly is? Hey, who'd you vote for school board? Uh, who'd you vote for for sheriff? Who'd you vote for for land commissioner? Um, mm, don't know. This is left and right and top and bottom to a large extent. This is what we need to change. You want to change your country? Start with your neighborhood. Start with your community. Because here's the thing. That's where it all lies. If things go wrong, we need the states to be strong. But the first thing that you need to do is understand what you are for. Because the right just going with the GOP, guess what? They're as fundamentally flawed as the left. They ain't as crazy. They ain't as hostile. But their policies lead to the same place eventually. It just takes a lot longer. And I'm going to prove that to you in a second. So this is where I become really popular with my friends on the right. See, when you make things about tribes, left bad, right good, is that really the case? Because look at it from my point of view, and I know you guys talk, well, what you say, John, is not realistic in the real world. It sounds great in theory, and it sounds great when I tune into your podcast, And but yeah, I get the principles and I share them, but it's just not realistic in the world, okay? But is the right the friend of the Constitution? Is the right the friend of Article 1, Section 8? Is the right the friend of the, the presidency and having no power? Is the right the friend of federalism? Is the right the friend of limited government? Is the right the friend of, you know, not spending like crazy drunken liberals and not borrowing large amounts of money? No, you're pretty much all not friends with that. Are the right the friends of the low-income worker where they're not going to raise the minimum wage? No. They're going to raise it. They raised it in Florida. And, and Hawley and Romney are now talking about raising it for different people. You're having all these different policies about raising the minimum wage to $15, which if it happens, according to the CBO, not my numbers, the CBO, which always goes on the light side, will cost 1.4 million Americans their job. It's great to rail against the left. I join you. But you also need to understand that your tribe isn't exactly great. But let's get back to what I was talking about before the break, where I said what I would do if I was in your state. To prove to you how to write or no friend of yours when it comes to principles, states, state income tax, what will you pay? If I said to you right now, I want you to think about who 
pays the highest income tax and state taxes percentage-wise in the nation. A lot of people would go, well, you know, New York, California, Massachusetts, Illinois, all those crazy blue states. Well, you'd be right in some cases, and you'd be wrong in other cases. Because the top percentage-wise comes in, ding, 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 congratulations, Illinois. You are top of the nation in state and, and local taxes. 15.01%. Yay! Congratulations, you'd be guessing right, right? The list continues. Who's second? Coming in a close second, but not close enough. The great state of Connecticut. 14.84%. Another blue state, John. Yay! See, I told you, it's those blue states that are crazy. Don't follow them. It's the Republicans that are great. Just hold that thought for just a couple of minutes. Who comes in third? Yay, my state, the Yankees. Go, oh, yeah, Yankees. New York comes in thirds with the silver medal with 14.08%, which, considering how much that city is struggling, I would say is only going to go one way. It's highly possible come next year, they will be number one because, number one, New York. Fourth state, Pennsylvania, coming in at a respectable 13.97%. You see, John, you're wrong. You're wrong when you talk about the right. You see, they're all blue states. It's the blue that are wrong. It's those Democrats that are wrong. It's rice and Republicans that are rice. Hmm. Coming in fifth, a state I can't wait to visit later in the year, the great state of Kansas, who I'll be sending this to, to talk to him about because he's actually a local state rep and he's a good friend of mine. Kansas coming in number five with 13.43%. Hmm. That kind of busts the narrative, doesn't it? Just a little bit. But, John, that's just a blip, right? That's just a little blip. Don't worry. Look, look, you know, there's always one state that, you know, strays. It's, it's probably filled with rhinos. Okay, that's true. But let's just make me give you something else to think about. The worst state, you would might think, you know, when I said who were the worst states, who were the worst offenders, I am guarantee you the vast majority of people on the right would have said California. It's absolutely crazy over there. They are like loony tools when it comes to taxes. They would just be right up there. I'm shocked they're not number one, right? I was actually shocked when I saw what position they were. I was like, I even was like, really? I got to check these numbers. And then I checked them a third time. Then I checked them a fourth time. And I was like, wow. Coming in at the 11th lowest, the great state of California with a percentage of 8.96%. You see, when you make things about tribes, you're absolutely wrong when it comes to California on state taxes on this issue. To show you how bad this is, if you make things about left, good, bad, right, good, California beats the following states. And these are hardly deep blue states. South Carolina, Alabama, Arizona, North Dakota, Georgia, North Carolina, Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Mississippi, Kentucky, and Texas. Sorry, I, I said Mississippi twice. Missouri was the other one. I apologize. All those states have higher income taxes than California at a state level. How is that possible? How? But let me just drive this nail home even more. And this pains me to say because I love this state. This is where my heart and soul is. Texas. If I said to the average person on the right going, hey, Texas, California, who is worse on taxation? 
Is there a person in America that doesn't understand, that isn't knowing all these stats that would say Texas is worse than California? I was shocked. I, this, this stat I had to check about 20 times because I was like, I was actually literally t- tearing my eyes out, kind of go, this can't be right. It is right. California's state taxation is 8.96%. The great state of Texas, that wonderful bastion of freedom that is so conservative, that is so red, has to be Texas, right? Or has to be California. All those hippies and Hollywood elites, <laughs> Texas, the 11th highest at 12.79%. 12.79% versus 8.96 in California. Now, am I saying all of a sudden, hey, let's just all, you know what, maybe California has my heart. So, no. On this issue, yes. You see, here's the thing. When you make things about tribes, hey, we're Republican, we're red, we're conservative, we're better. It's those crazy lefty blues that are bad. Who loses? You. Every American citizen loses. uh, Not the politicians, not the media, not the lobbyists, but you. You lose. Because all of a sudden, what happens is you have these stats that are irrefutable. You don't believe me? Go look them up. Go research them. But here's the thing. You want to know what I would do? If I was living in these states, if I was living in South Carolina, Alabama, Arizona, North Dakota, Georgia, North Carolina, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas, or Kansas or Kentucky, I would be writing to every politician in that state kind of, hey, why do we have a higher state and local taxation policy that is worse than California? And we need to change this immediately. That's what I would do. Then I would get involved in other issues, because this is just one simple issue to prove to you that it isn't left as bad and right as good. It's that principles are the answer, not tribes, principles. And we can have all these conversations about they're lesser two evils, they're pure evil, they're bad. But guess what? It's about uniting people. It's about getting to a point where, hey, it's your money. It's your paycheck. Let's keep as much of it in your pocket as possible. That's on this issue. But there are countless other issues. You're starting to see states. I think Oklahoma is the first one where they're saying, you know what? We're not teaching the 1619 Project. Great. That's where the parallel belongs. This Department of Education crap where it's, oh, we're, you know, that belongs to the presidency and that's a cabinet position. Mm-hmm. Go read the Constitution. Oklahoma, congratulations for being the first state to do it. Every other state should do it. Whatever issue is applicable to you that you're really passionate about, whether it's schooling, whether it's school choice, whether it's, you know, getting the schools open, whether it's taxation, whether it's policy, whether it's spending, whatever is your issue, Get involved in your local states. That is where the big power needs to shift to. It's not a case of, hey, we need to power the shift from Democrats to Republicans or left to right. No, what we need to start doing is we need power to start trickling down again. We need to start getting people in the states going, that is not your job, federal government. You do not exist to tell us what we can do. You exist because we allow you to exist. Because America is not based around a country system. We are a constitutional republic, a state system, where you operate at our discretion. And you've been operating and doing way more than you should be. And it's now time to say no. Get involved in other issues. Convention of states. Get involved in term limits. 
whatever it is, balanced budget amendments, whatever is your issue, get involved in it. Get involved and get knowing who your local state rep is, who your senator is, who your local mayor is, who your governor is. You want to start changing America? That is where the situation lies. That is where the power always should be. It is a case for federalism. It is a case for bringing power back and understanding what the founders fought for and what the founders knew. That government should be extremely limited, but where there is a clear and defined need for government, it should be as close to the people as possible. That is federalism. That is the system your founders gave you. It is time to start following that system again. And even if you're listening to me going, I'm a lefty, why would I want that system? Then great. That system should still apply to you. If you believe in social policies, here's the great thing that I always say to my friends on the left who are like, oh, I like socialism. I like bigger government. Great. Wonderful. Then prove it works. Don't do it through executive TIOC. Don't do it through executive orders. Don't do it through the federal government. Pick a state. I don't care what state it is. You've got plenty to choose from. New York, California, Illinois, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, whatever state. I know everyone who's in those states is going to go, no, don't pick my state. No, John, shut up. I don't want any more people. Whatever it is, pick a state. And here's the thing. Go make it the socialist utopia. Because you always tell me, oh, you see, John, I, I, the thing I don't like about you is you always say socialism has never worked. It always, it always fails. The, the, that may be true, but it's never been done right. Okay, cool. Here's a challenge for you. Pick a state. I don't know if you if you have horse racing over there where you you know you pin the, the tail on the donkey where you're like, mm, okay, we're going to that state. Do it, whatever it is, and prove it works. Because here's the thing. Let's say I'm wrong. Let's say you're right about socialism. Pick a state and make it work. I guarantee you, if you make it work, and it's everything is that utopia as you think it will be, people won't listen to me. People won't listen to people like me. They'll be kind of going, okay, that socialism works. Let's go get it. That is the great thing about America. But likewise, if you're like me and you're kind of going, I don't want to pay 50% income tax. I don't want to give all my money to the government. I want more freedom. I'm going to go to Texas. I'm going to go to Florida. I'm going to go to Oklahoma. I'm going to go to Alabama. Okay, cool. That's the great thing. America is based around a system where you can have many different variants of it. And then you can have what you will always have. You can have a hybrid where I want a bit of freedom, but I also like the welfare programs. I'm not going to go totally blue, but I'm not going to go totally freedom. We'll have some in the middle. Great. That is the beauty of America. You can have that system and you can have that coexistence. But there's only one key rule everyone must agree on. That what you do in your state, you don't try and force through executive power, through control and through tyranny that says every other state must comply. That you have this understanding, which my friends on the left really struggle with, especially the woke brigade, where it's okay to have a difference of opinion. It's okay to associate with different people. It's okay to do things a different way. That is the beauty of your system. It's time to embrace it. Or we can just keep throwing slings. We can just keep throwing mud at each other. Hey, left are bad. They're evil, John. They're bad. Biden is bad. Okay, where is that going to get you? What is going to build a case for 2022? Do you think the American people are just going to go, hey, left or bad, I'm going to go vote for you? They might. But you know what's a more successful plan? Telling the American people what you're for. Selling Americans on America the idea. And then giving them something to build on. That you have a great 2022. You have a great 2024. And that you make it not about the left been bad, but their policies been bad. And that you must never, ever, ever 
follow those policies because they don't work, not in America and not historically. Choice is yours. You always ask me what I would do and what I will do later this year. There you have it. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, please God, we have uh, better technology issues or no technology issues and we start having guests again next week. Have a beautiful and blessed week. God bless. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. 